Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. everyone welcome to what on earth is happening i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com i apologize for the technical difficulties in the beginning of the broadcast tonight but uh we seem to have gotten that straight straightened out um today is tuesday november 16th 2010 uh the theme of the day seems to be technical difficulties because it seems that my website uh, hosting provider is down and uh, my website is unreachable and has been since I believe yesterday. So I am trying to work with them to find out what's going on on the server end and uh, resolve that issue as soon as possible. Um, we have a good show lined up for you here today. What I'm going to do today is continue with the next method of mind control. We've been talking about different methodologies of mind control for the past several weeks and will continue to do so. We're going to begin to go into a little bit more of an abstract direction here tonight. Hey, Mark. Yes, Bob. We just got word from our producer that your website is working, uh, according to him. So It is back up. Hopefully it's up and, and we're ready to go, and now we're on air, and uh, future uh, solutions are to come. Bob, thanks so much. Thanks for your help in uh, assisting with the technical problems at the beginning of the show today. So um, before I start uh, the show, uh, the topic of discussion, and give the call-in numbers. I want to thank Pat Marcatilio of the UFO ET Congress. I spoke there uh, on Sunday in Bordentown, New Jersey, and it was just a great experience. There was a lot of great people out there. I met a lot of cool people, and um, the other speakers were phenomenal. I want to thank Pat once again for putting it all together and inviting me to speak at his fine event. Uh, if anyone has a chance to check out a future event hosted by Pat Marcatilio, uh, please do do check it out and do check out his website at drufo.org, drufo.org. I'll uh, give some event announcements for events that are happening in the Philadelphia area, and then we'll jump right into the show. The End the Fed Rally for Philadelphia is happening this Saturday, 
November 20th at 11 a.m. at the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, 6th and Arch Streets. And then afterward, there is going to be a uh, get-together. Uh, there's going to be a march away from the Federal Reserve Building, and then there will be a uh, get-together and um, uh, just general uh, hangout session and, and uh, you know, partying and having some food and drink together and discussion, and it'll be a good time. So if you're in the Philly area, end the Fed rally for Philadelphia, November 20th, this Saturday at 11 a.m. at the Federal Reserve Bank, 6th and Arch Street. I will be giving a small talk outside of the Fed building uh, shortly after 11 a.m. I've been asked to do so by uh, the members of Truth, Freedom, Prosperity. That's the group that uh, helps to organize the end of Fed rallies. I think, uh, you know, not, not necessarily that just ending the Fed itself, in and of itself, is the total solution to our problems that we face here on Earth, but it would be part of the way toward uh, the solution. I think, um, you know, we need to go a lot farther than that. We need to understand that money in and of itself is a complete illusion and it is the thing that basically holds us under control by even believing that we are separate and that we need to uh, have this as a motivating influence for us to do anything. Um, last night, we were at the Ethical Society and we screened the movie Secret of Oz. Uh, Bob just interviewed Bill Still, the maker of that documentary uh, on his uh, show Truth Be Told this evening. And I, while I think it's a phenomenal documentary and it explains a lot of the things that cause financial um, booms and busts and helps us to get into the mentality of the, the dominators behind the banking system, these financial sorcerers or wizards, if you will, I think that really the ultimate answer is understanding that no form of money in the course of human history, no matter what it is, no matter what it is made of, no matter how much exists in circulation, has any actual real intrinsic value. And there are people that will debate this and argue with this and contend this until the end of time. But when it comes down to it, you're not going to eat gold. You're not going to eat silver. You're not going to make your houses out of these materials. You're not going to clothe yourself with them. You're not going to shelter yourself with them. And you're certainly not going to know yourself through them. And that is what it is really all ultimately about, understanding that we're all in the same situation together. And the solution is to know oneself and to advance in consciousness, not to accumulate precious metals or worthless strips of paper or tally sticks or any other form of currency that may be used. It's all mind control. That's the thing that really struck me about watching the movie The Secret of Oz, realizing that look at the motivations of what people were willing to do or not do depending on whether money was flowing or not. Something that's fake, that's an artificial construct that exists nowhere but in the human mind. It does not exist in nature. We talked about that on the shows that we did on money. But, of course, I'll be reiterating things and you know, exploring things further. We're going to be going in a different direction tonight, a more abstract direction. We're going to be talking about time, the illusion of time, as I call this uh, piece in my presentation. We're going to be exploring what time is, 
what our perception of it is anyway, and uh, how it basically works to manipulate and control us, how it is used, this concept of time is used to manipulate and control us, and how we let that happen. We let that happen in our ignorance of present moment awareness. So before we do that, I have some event announce, some more event announcements, and I'll, then I'll give the call-in number, and then we'll jump in with the topic. So coming up, at the end of this month, Survive and Thrive, this is a group that is hosted by a good friend of mine, Fernando Salguero. This happens every uh, last Sunday of the month here in Philadelphia at a pub called Liberties in the Northern Liberty section of the city. Liberties is essentially at 2nd and Fairmount. The actual address is 705 North 2nd Street. That's the corner of 2nd and Fairmount. Uh, I will be speaking at a Survive and Thrive meetup on sovereignty, understanding its role and your ability to use it. I will be giving a lecture called Natural Law and Sovereignty. November 28th, this will be taking place. That's a Sunday, Sunday, November 28th at 6 o'clock p.m. sharp at Liberty's Pub, 2nd and Fairmount, Philadelphia. For more information, if you go to meetup.com and you type in Survive and Thrive Philadelphia, you will be able to uh, view the activities of Fernando's Survive and, Survive and Thrive Survivalist Group here in Philadelphia. And finally, the Free Your Mind Conference, which I am a co-host of, working with several committed individuals in this area to uh, put on a conference on consciousness, mind control, and the occult here in Philadelphia. Free Your Mind is a unique two-day conference scheduled for April 9th and 10th, 2011 in Philadelphia, PA, featuring multiple speakers and diverse educational materials for the purpose of raising public awareness of the critically important topics of mass mind control techniques, the covert and subversive influences upon our consciousness and behavior, trauma-based and ritualized abuse, and the practical mental and emotional healing methodologies available for those affected by these devices. The dates... Saturday, April 9th, and Sunday, April 10th, 2011, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. both days, with the doors opening at 9 a.m. both days. This will be happening at Ruba Hall, R-U-B-A Hall in Philadelphia. That's at 414 Green Street, also in the Northern Liberty section of the city. Admission is only $20 per day. Tickets are on sale now. The confirmed speakers, Aaron McCollum, Alfred Weber, Andrew Basiago, Bob Tuscan, Thara Yurdozu, John Irvin, John Nicholson, Larkin Rose, Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, Mark Matika, Mark Passio, Mel Fabregas, Michael Kelly, and Suzanne Taylor. For more information about the conference coming up in 2011 right here in Philadelphia, please visit www.freeyourmindconference.com. So let's give out the call-in numbers. I'm going to continue to give the TalkShoe call-in number, and we're also broadcasting on, on uh, Blog Talk Radio tonight. So the call-in number for TalkShoe, 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number, 724-444-7444. The call ID number, if you call that number, to put in is 
8315. That's 83515. Four, blog talk for callers to blog talk radio. The guest call in number is 646 727 3387. Once again, 646 727 3387. Call in whenever you like. No taboo topics here. I'd be interested in getting some people's take on the topic of time, which is what we're going to talk about here today. So, when we're talking about mind control, essentially what we mean is the manipulation of human perception. This is ancient, dark psychology. This is dark occultism when it really when you really boil it down. That's what the occult is. People don't really understand what the methodologies of the occult or mind control in particular are in a wider sense. That's why we do this show here. That's why we talk about these manipulation tactics to know about how the mind can be manipulated and persuaded and how the perceptions of it can be shaped and engineered is critical. It is of paramount importance. It isn't negative. It's information. What we do with information imbues it with either positive energy or negative energy. But information in and of itself is never negative. If we see how something is being used manipulated, perverted, and used against us, against us as a weapon, that isn't necessarily negative. That can be empowering if we use that information to raise our awareness and protect ourselves against these methods. Well, like I said, we're going to be getting a little bit more abstract as the weeks and months go here on, on this radio show on what on earth is happening. Because what I'm going to begin doing, not necessarily in this show, but in future ones coming up, is starting to break down different occult schools of thought. And we're going to be exploring the symbolism of different occult schools. Essentially, what I'll be doing over the weeks to come is providing a form of initiation into the occult for some of the listeners of the show. And people may think, oh, that sounds scary. No, occult, as we've talked about on this show, simply means hidden, hidden knowledge. And if we're ignorant of some of this knowledge, we can be controlled through it. If we become aware of it, we begin to work with this information. We begin to assimilate it and understand it in depth. And in doing so, we begin to know ourselves better. We, become, we, we start to know the psyche better, our own psychological makeup and development. And as we move further into that path of initiation, if you will, it becomes much more difficult to pull the wool over one's eyes. It becomes much more difficult to manipulate someone that is in possession of that knowledge because ultimately it's all knowledge of self. And that's why a dominator wants to hide that information. It wants to hide that knowledge because if they have access to it and someone else doesn't, it's a piece of cake to manipulate their perceptions and what they think and what they feel. 
And that's what's going on on this planet, folks. Whether you've recognized that or not by this time, doesn't matter. It is happening. And uh, I'm going to do my best to expose it until I can't do that anymore. So let's start our basic discussion tonight of time, what it is, how it is used to essentially manipulate the human population. How our system of time and timekeeping is basically set up on the earth, no matter where you are, is based upon physical movements. It's based upon the physical movements of bodies in the heavens. So this is going to eventually springboard off into a discussion about astrotheology. Okay? And we will be talking about religion probably in two weeks or so. And we'll be getting into astrotheology as the main underlying exoteric aspect of what religion is all about. Once you strip away that exoteric cover story, you find something deeper beneath it that relates with the self and relates with consciousness. And we'll be talking about those esoteric components. And when, when we begin to get into this distinction between exoteric or the outward explanation or cover story, if you want to look at it that way, versus the esoteric, the meaning that is reserved for the initiated. That is what occultists basically keep for themselves. And they give the exoteric cover story to others who do not know themselves and do not understand their symbolism or their system of manipulation. So we'll be looking at the distinction between those two principles, exoteric philosophy or ideology and esoteric philosophies. And this will lead into a deeper exploration of the occult and its movements, its schools of thought. When we are looking at time, we have to understand first and foremost our conception of what time is and how we base our measurement of time is always based in the modern world, at least, upon physical, cyclical movements of objects. The earth rotates once per day upon its axis. That's a physical movement. We measure the month based upon essentially the moon and its movements. That's why it's called a month, a moon. Based upon the moon, another physical astro astronomical body. We base our year upon the revolution of the earth around the sun. Again, another physical movement that is cyclical. What is the importance of physical, cyclical movements 
when it relates to our psychological perception of time. Why is that important? What does that do to the mind? What does that do to the perceptions? What does that do to the psychology of a person? Well, one of the first things that it does is it begins to paint the picture within the mind of of their perception of the world upon this physical and cyclical movement that things have always been this way, things are this way now, and things always will be this way. It is a sense of eternity or forever or unchangingness. Moreover, it starts to put the idea in people's mind and get them to think that change is not possible at all, that there is just continual cycles that go on and on and on and on and on forever in one direction, no less, starting in the past, proceeding through the present, and moving to the future, linear time, linear thinking, time-bound thinking. And that's ultimately where a trap gets created in consciousness. Time-bound awareness is an extremely low form of consciousness. Material-based awareness is connected with time-bound awareness. Why? Because we're basing our view of our movement through time upon physical movements that are endless, endlessly repeating. Therefore, we begin to think in endlessly looping, repeating ways cyclical, just going around in circles. The earth is going around in a circle. It is going in a larger circle. The moon is going around in a circle around the earth. The earth is then going in a larger circle around the sun. The sun is going in a larger circle around the center of the galaxy. Circular movements, meaning you're never actually going anywhere. This form of linear, cyclical time traps people in a modality of it's always going to be like this. It's never going to change. It's going to keep doing the same thing forever and ever and ever and ever. You'd be surprised how many people, whether they think about this consciously or not, from a subconscious level, just the fact that our system of time is based upon physical movements of objects, material things, how their consciousness falls into this pattern of always been this way, is this way now, always going to be this way, and there's nothing I can do about it. When you really begin to break down our perceptions of time, and you understand this is how people think based on time, based on our system of timekeeping, 
you understand how powerful of a hold the entire conception of time has over the human psyche. Now, what's the alternative to this? Well, before we even explain or, or uh, explore that, let's look at some of the expressions that we use. We say time is money. We equate time and wealth. We look at time as a quantity, not a quality. Definitely look at it as a a quantity, much more so than we ever look at time as qualitatively based. We look at it as quantitatively based. I don't have the time. There's not enough time. I need more time. Scarcity-based thinking. The more our lives become hectic and we still try to stay in these linear modalities of thought and consciousness, the more it seems like there is less and less time in which to do the things that we want to do or need to do. This paints a perception of time speeding up as there never being enough time, as there seemingly not being the same amount of hours in the day that there used to be. And we can look at the words, as we, we just saw, month is related to moon, the moon. Hours, why are they called hours? They're related to Horus, the sun god. The golden falcon in Egyptian cosmology that treks across the sky each day as the solar disk, the sun. An allegory, to be sure, a metaphor. However, the, the word hour named after him, the sun coming up on the zone of Horus, the horizon, the horizon, named after Horus. And we'll be looking at this when we look into religion because you have to understand how, how Horus is connected with Christianity. When we look into astrotheology, we'll be taking an in-depth look at that. And speaking of time, we're coming up to that time in the program where we have our commercial break, folks. Stay tuned to What on Earth is Happening Mark Patton. Did you ever wish that you could have done something while you still had the chance? What will you do with your income and tomorrow? Or if you lose your home, as many already have, do you have enough money to survive through an economic depression? If you don't want to gamble with your future, then FreeToProsper.com can help you quickly end your debt problems, protect your property and possessions, and develop a personal strategy to get you through the hard times. Most importantly, you get to keep your money and not pay another cent to creditors. Our program is often superior to bankruptcy, consolidation, or settlement. Visit FreeToProsper.com to find out more. This is your real chance to act ahead, so don't delay. Your future may depend on it. Call 718-615-0123 to learn more. That's 718-615-0123. Or visit FreeToProsper.com today.
in a world where corrupt oppressors and oligarchs that see in control of the population. Trouble to your is amongst us. The burden of humanity rests on our shoulders. The only way out is to expose the global crime syndicates known as the New World Order. Together, we are all one. Together, we are intel soldiers. The battle for free humanity ensues. Join us in the fight. TheIndellHub.com Secure your future. Get your non-hybrid seed pack now. With the looming economic crisis, food shortages, and other toxic disasters, now is the time to be ready. Just click on the Heirloom Organics banner at the top of our Blog Talk radio page today. Secure your future and the future of your family in hard times. Heirloom Organic Seeds. Hi, this is Bob Tuskin. Tune into my show, Truth Be Told Radio, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network, crushing the New World Order piece by piece. And now back to What on Earth is Happening with your host, Mark Papier. Bob, thanks so much. We're back from our break. Before uh, the break, I was talking about how different gradations of time are, you know, basically given to different uh, physical objects, in in this case, planetary bodies, uh, um, the sun. We were talking about Horus, the sun god of Egypt, named after the hour. Let's let's look at how some physical uh, nesting of cycles is used when it comes to our way that we um, divide time different measurements of time we can see that these are nested within each other and the same pattern repeats again this is psychologically uh getting into the the subconscious of a person this is basically painting the picture that the entire universe is you know like russian dolls like a prison that you can never get out of you get out of one you hit another wall you go into another uh another doll and then get out of that one, and it keeps going and going and going. It's a linear, cyclical, endless progression. And that paints a picture of hopelessness in most people's minds. The inability to change, it basically gives them a sense of futility. That's what it paints in the psyche, in most people. People who can't see through this linear way of perceiving what we call time. So look at the, you know, the smallest gradation of time that we basically work with. Of course, we have smaller gradations used in science, but I'm talking about for the general person, the second is the smallest gradation. Now, the second is actually 
dedicated to the planet Mercury. Now, that sounds strange to most people, but if you follow this progression, you'll understand how this works. And I'll put some images related to this on my uh, podcast section. Again, every week I put related images, documents, movies, anything connected to the topic that I'm talking about up on my website in the podcast section. So you could uh, go to the show for that week. You can listen to it or download it, and then you can view associated images, documents, videos, etc. on the podcast page. Mercury is considered the second object in our solar system, the sun being the primary object, the first object. So Mercury is the first planet from the sun in our solar system. It also has the fastest orbit. Its orbit, I believe, is approximately 80 days, or just shy of that, about 79 days in Earth days. So it makes one complete revolution around the sun every 79 days or so. This makes it the fastest planet. And in Greek tradition, Mercury was considered um, the messenger of the God, I'm sorry, Roman tradition. So Greek, uh, the Greeks called him Hermes. Okay, uh, this is he was considered a messenger of the gods in Egyptian tradition. He was known as Thoth. This is because he is the closest to the sun, which is considered the bringer of life and light and energy, essentially being the embodiment of God in the solar system. So the second hand, okay, that's positioned around the central hub, all the hands on a clock positioned from the center, if we look at an analog clock, this will be demonstrated much easier than if we simply try to think about it. If you hold the image of an analog clock in your mind, Okay, the center point represents the sun. A circle with a dot in the center is the ancient symbol of the sun. And as we look at some of these concepts that get a bit more esoteric, symbolism is going to be very critical to keep in mind. And we're going to have to understand and become symbol literate, understand the language of symbolism as it has been used throughout the ancient world and as it is still used in the modern world. So, a dot with a circle around it. This is the symbol of the sun. It's an archetypal symbol. An archetype, as we talked about before, is a a simple form that has a meaning inherent to it that is already indwelling in the human psyche and in the subconscious mind. It's ancestral memory. This is embedded in our subconscious. We may not be aware of it at a conscious level, of the meaning of the symbol, but we know it at an intuitive, fundamental level of consciousness. That's an archetype. One of the biggest archetypes is the egg. We've talked about that briefly before on the show. Another archetype is the, the solar symbol of a dot with a circle around it. So, going back to breaking down this nested cycle of time in our method of timekeeping, the second hand the smallest gradation that we use at a practical level on a daily basis is given to the planets. Okay? This is the 
of the three ancient cults of astrotheology. Astrotheology, astro meaning star, theos meaning God. Okay? Astrotheology, logos meaning word. What's the difference between that and astrology? Astrology is a study of these movements and basing predictions upon some of the movements and positioning of these bodies. Okay, I see, I see. Astrotheology is the basis of a belief system rooted in the story about these gods in the sky. Okay? People have called the three great religions of the world, the three most popular religions of the world, essentially, uh, Christianity, um, uh, Islam, and Judaism, the, the desert sky god religions. These are the three religions that developed out of the ancient world based upon the three cults that developed in the ancient world. You had the solar cult, the lunar cult, and the cult of the planets and stars or the lesser lights. So you have two great lights of the heavens, the sun and the moon, and then you have the smaller, the pinpoints of light, okay, the stars and planets, each one given to a different religion. And as we will see, each one given to a different gradation of timekeeping. And then that cycle is repeated. It is nested. Okay? It's a nested time cycle. Again, nesting is very important in the occult as well. Again, it, think of the object, the uh, symbol of Russian dolls. One thing embedded in another, embedded in, in another endlessly. Okay? What about fractals? They come to mind. Same, same concept, fractals. Now, yes, this is true of the universe in a wider sense, but I'm talking about how something that is true is manipulated to have a specific um, condition, to, to generate a specific condition in the human psyche. That's the, the key point there. So if we look at these gradations of time, we'll see a specific pattern nested in them. The second hand given to Mercury, goes around the sun or the central hub of an analog clock faster than any of the other hands. Okay? So Mercury, the second object, that's why it's called the second hand. It goes around the hub, the dot in the middle of the clock representing the sun. Okay? The second hand on a clock meaning not the next hand, not the, se- the second hand itself. The next hand that we come to is the minute hand, okay? Minute is derived from one of the words of the moon in the ancient world. In the, um, the Phoenician tradition, the moon was known as Min, the, the goddess of the moon, Min, M-I-N, was one of her names. Moon, the moon always being a feminine aspect, the feminine presence. It is a considered a female presence, okay? At, just as the sun is considered a male presence, lunar associated with the yin or feminine energy and the solar energy associated with the yang or masculine energy. So it's very close to moon, the, the moonit, the minute, the min hand, min, a name for the moon, so the minute is the next gradation of time upwards, okay? Above that, we have the hour hand. Now, this is named after Horus or the sun god. And this is, of course, given to the sun. So we see the, the planets 
actually embedded in our system of time. The planets, the moon, and the sun. Planets, Mercury, second hand. The minute hand, the moon, named after Min, goddess of the moon. Then the hour, named after Horus, the sun god. Now, this cycle repeats. What is the next measure of time above one day? Okay, of course, a day is given to the earth. Okay? Each day is one spin of the earth upon its axis. So we face the sun, then we turn away from the sun, and then it goes back, and that's one day. It's a a revolution of the earth on its axis, a rotation of the earth on its own axis of rotation. That's one day. Now, let's look at, so the earth is one of the planets, okay? But as we see, we have a seven-day system in the modern world, a week if we look at the names of each one of the days that is in a week, we see that each one is given to a planet. So now we're back to planet. A day is reserved for the planet, and so is the week. So the the day is the Earth's. That's the planet we are upon. And then the wider aspect of the days of the week is the week. Each one is given to one of the other planets. Now, let me guess what Monday is all about, Mark, if I may. Moon yes. day, perhaps? Of course. Monday is the moon. Okay? Tuesday. Now, immediately, that may, one may not be immediately recognizable, so it will help to go into other languages. And I have uh, seen, you can, you can take it into a few other languages, but the easiest language to understand all of these is the French language in conjunction with English. So, if we look at the day that it is named after uh, the um, it, it, the name the name Tuesday in French, uh, Tuesday is Mardi M A R D I, as in Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, Mardi. Okay, so this is the root of Mars M A R S Mars. Okay, Tues Tues is also a name of an ancient god that was named after Mars, uh, the god of war. Uh, 9-11-2001, incidentally, occurred on a Tuesday because they were invoking war. They were invoking the entire spirit of war with that false flag operation. Oh, yeah. So Tuesday is given to Mars. Wednesday, okay, again, maybe not immediately recognizable in the English language, but if we look at the French language, Wednesday is Mercredi. Mercredi in French. That's Mercury. So Wednesday is named after Mercury. Thursday, okay, in French is Jeudi, J-E-U-D-I, but it is Thor's day, the Norse god, Thor, associated with Jupiter, the same basic god, Jupiter, Named after, uh, named by the Romans. So Thor's day or Thursday is named for Jupiter. Friday. Now Freya was one of the god- goddesses' names in the Norse tradition. Freya. Okay. So this is a feminine 
day. There are only two feminine days of the week, Monday named after the moon and Friday named after the other feminine planet in the solar system. If we take the name Friday into the French language, this is Vendredi, V-E-N-D-R-E-D-I, Vendredi, named after Venus, the other feminine um, planetary body in the solar system. Can I try to get the last two? Sure, go. And then it's only appropriate, I think. Um, well, I'll, I'll get to that when we get there. But Saturday seems to to me like it has to do with Saturn. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's right in the word. That one's real easy. Right. And of course, and of course, Sunday, Sunday as well. Sunday, and and right. that's the most, uh, I guess, uh, crucial of them all because of all these sun cults, as you mentioned. And it's it's kind of. Uh, interesting to me, Mark, how you start off on a moon day and you That's end right. on a Sunday, and there's got to right. be something behind that. And well, so, some people will say that uh, you know you start off on a Sunday and end on a Saturday, and there's something behind that as well. See, the the the, the Sabbaths of each of the desert sky god religions or the astro theologically based religions. All are, each one is given to either the sun, the moon, or the planets and stars. Okay? So the moon is actually uh, given to the Islamic religion. This is the lunar-based cult of the ancient world. Um, It worships on Friday as its Sabbath. And you would say, okay, well, that's Venus. But Venus is also connected with the feminine aspect of the moon. Okay, Venus is another name for the goddess, the goddess, Venus, Isis, Hathor, Aphrodite. You could go on and on and name the different names of the goddess, Semiramis. These are all connected with the moon in some form or another. So the feminine presence is always a lunar presence, and this is a lunar-based religion. It's not only lunar-based, but it's galactic based this is the religion that ultimately worships the galaxy okay we'll be talking about this and going in further to this when i get into astro theology in a much more fundamental way when we talk about religion coming up on future shows but uh that's uh, the, the the islamic religion is actually derived from the lunar cult the um christian religion that's quite easy to figure out if you know, we understand the, the basics of uh, the, the symbolism of the sun and the, uh, the son of God, okay? You could look at movies, uh, documentaries like Zeitgeist Addendum or look into the works of Jordan Maxwell, and you could easily uh, trace the astrotheological basis of Christianity to the solar cult, the son of God, okay? So the worship is on Sunday. That's their Sabbath, Okay? Uh, the the Savior who ro- dies and then rises, okay, rises again to bring life to the world. The sun dies each night and then rises each day to bring new life to the world, okay. Saturday is the uh, the the Sabbath of Judaism. So this is the from the ancient world the cult of the planets and the stars. And its symbol is a star. The, the Islamic religion, its symbol is the moon. The symbol of the religion, the moon, with a small star next to it. 
That's the base, the crescent moon, the symbol of the Judaic religion, a star, and the symbol of the Christian religion, a cross, which is a zodiacal cross, a zodiacal cross, the zodiac. That's what the, it is actually representative of, the sun upon the, cro- the great cross of the zodiac. So we look at the zodiac, okay, the sun symbolically placed in the middle, 12 houses or divisions around it, the 12 helpers of the sun, the 12 disciples of Jesus, okay? Let's look at the, the, the next cycle up. So, of course, we have had the week, and that was based upon the planets. Now, the next cycle of time up, the month, and we all have already alluded to that. That's based upon the moon, the month, the month. And that is how we measure, basically, a month, the lunations of the moon. So, again, we, we see this nested cycle. We had the second given to the planets, specifically Mercury. Then we went up to the minute given to the moon. Then we went up to the hour given to the sun. The day and week given to the planets again. Then we go back up a month, a, a, a longer duration of time given to the moon again. And then the next gradation of time, the year, of course, measured by our revolution around the sun. So that's given to the solar, uh, uh, the solar concept and the solar cult as well. Now, when we start to understand this physically, materially, that's the key thing, the materialistically based measurement of time. It's always based upon matter. That's the key thing to keep in mind. It's based on matter and materialistic thought. When we say time is money, we're equating it with something that is materialistic, the fake money, not the real money, the one eye, but the fake proxy for balance and imagination and um, harmony with nature and understanding natural law and enlightenment, etc. That's what our fiat currency debt-based monetary system, fractional reserve uh, central bank owned and controlled monetary system is all about. Okay, so when when we associate endlessly repeating physical materialistic movements of objects with time, our consciousness tends to become more materialistic. This works whether we understand it, we don't understand it. We know it consciously, we're ignorant of it, it doesn't make a difference. We are being entrained to something. So th- this is another word I want to bring up when we're talking about time. Entrainment, E-N-T-R-A-I-N, entrainment, okay? This means to get the mind following along, to set up a system of Leaders and followers, entrainment, a train, entrainment, M-E-N-T, the basis of mind, mente in Latin. Entrainment essentially means to make the mind follow. And right there in the word, 
that we use in relation to time, okay, we have a concept that is related to mind control, getting the mind to follow along. So we will explore deeper aspects of the astrotheological basis of the world religions coming up in future shows. We'll go into that in the future. But we, we, we saw how this is intricately connected with our gradations and measurements of time in the world today. So we can go up another step from the year. Well, you say, okay, well, how is anything measured even bigger than a year? Well, there's the, astro, the astronomical and astrological clock. Okay, this is known as the great year, or what astronomers refer to as the precession of the equinoxes. Now, this is a little bit um, of an uh, abstract concept, to understand, but if you do explore a little bit about astronomy, and astronomy is a fascinating topic to look into, it's a fascinating science, I do encourage people to look into the movements of the planets and the sun and the earth, etc., and the moon. Understanding this is actually really, if we break past the exoteric Okay, and we break out of the linear time-based thinking, this becomes a very powerful metaphor for different aspects of the self. And that's ultimately what astrology becomes all about. Now, I wouldn't call myself by any stretch of the imagination an expert in astrology, even in some of the symbols of astrology. Okay? It is the occult science that I feel that I need the most uh, study in compared to the knowledge that I have about other occult sciences. So it is probably my weakest area of my um, delving into the, the occult in general is astrology. Um, I have looked into it a bit, but my interest in it is re in relation to religion when it comes to astrology, because that's all religion basically is about. It's about the movements of the planets, and the attributions of the planets, uh, and that is what is ascribed to the gods of these religions. We understand the god that is ultimately being worshipped in Islam is really about the, the galaxy. Okay, it's about the the feminine aspect of creation, which gives rise to the stars of the galaxy. See, in in Islam, there is a you know a black cube called the the Kaaba at Mecca. And the adherents of Islam make a pilgrimage and wear a white um, cloak only. And then they go around the Kaaba in a counterclockwise direction. Well, this is representative of the stars going around the central black hole of the Milky Way galaxy in a counterclockwise rotation. This is an astrotheological ritual because ultimately it is the moon and galactic cult. The Christians worship the sun upon the cross of the zodiac, crucified upon the great cross of the zodiac, which has to do with the procession of the equinoxes, which has to do with the cycle of the year, the solstices and equinoxes forming a, a cross on the, on the zodiac. The 12 helpers, again, representative of each house of the 12 houses of the Zodiac 
So the Judaic religion, again, based in the gods, the Elohim, plural gods. Why plural? Well, you have the singular gods of the solar and lunar cult and the plural gods of the Judaic cult. The stars and the planets, all the small lights of the heavens. It all starts to fall into line and make perfect sense once you understand the astrotheological basis for religion. And moreover, it perfectly helps us to understand how time is chopped up in little pieces and given to different gods of the ancient world and what that does to the human psyche. Sounds like we're coming up to another break, folks. I want to thank everyone for listening. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We'll be back after these words. Did you ever wish that you could have done something while you still had the chance? What will you do if your income ends tomorrow? Or if you lose your home, as many already have? Do you have enough money to survive through an economic depression? If you don't want to gamble with your future, then FreeToProsper.com can help you quickly end your debt problems, protect your property and possessions, and develop a personal strategy to get you through the hard times. Most importantly, you get to keep your money and not pay another cent to creditors. Our program is often superior to bankruptcy, consolidation, or settlement. Visit FreeToProsper.com to find out more. This is your real chance to act ahead. So don't delay. Your future may depend on it. Call 718-615-0123 to learn more. That's 718-615-0123. Or visit freetoprosper.com today. In a world where corrupt offenses and all against control of the population, total tyranny, is amongst us. The burden of humanity rests on our shoulders. The only way out is to expose the global crime syndicates known as the New World Order. Together, we are all one. Together, we are intel soldiers. The battle for free humanity Join us in the fight. The Intel Hub.com. Secure your future. Get your non hybrid seed pack now. With the looming economic crisis, food shortages, and other toxic disasters, now is the time to be ready. Just click on the Heirloom Organics banner at the top of our Blog Talk radio page today. Secure your future and the future of your family in hard times. Heirloom Organic Seeds. Hi, this is Bob Tuskin. Tune in to my show, Truth Be Told Radio, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You are listening to the Intel Hub News Network, crushing the New World Order piece by piece.
All right, we're back here on What on Earth is Happening. We're at the top of the second hour of the show. I see we have a caller on the line. Let me quickly, before I take this call, um, give the call-in numbers for the show. You can call in on two different networks, broadcasting on TalkShoe and Blog Talk Radio on the uh, Intel Hub News Network. So the call-in number for TalkShoe, 877. I'm sorry, scratch that. The call-in number for TalkShoe, 724-444-7444. Once again, the call-in number is 724-444-7444. The call ID number, 83515. Once again, the call ID for the show, which you'll be prompted for, 83515. Um, the call number for blog talk is 646 646- Seven two seven three three eight seven. Once again, six four six seven two seven three three eight seven. I see we have a caller here on TalkShoe. I'm going to attempt to take this call. Let's see what happens. Freedom in Texas now. You are on live on what on earth is happening. Are you there? Caller from Texas, are you there? Oh, yeah, Mark. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the program today. Uh, call from... I recognize that this is Bob, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd jump in there and make things interesting. I guess uh, your caller's not there. Hey, you have anything for us, though? Uh, Bob, uh, I've been enjoying the show. Uh, and it's so funny how every time we come up to a commercial break, you happen to be talking about time. Uh, throughout the program, that's kind of the theme. And I was wondering if if I didn't have any knowledge of the seven-day week or the Monday-Friday system or the hour-minute system, how would I live my life? You know, how different would it be? And how controlled are we uh, to time? And how is time uh, associated with our price system, our monetary system? Because like you keep saying, time is money. So in a sense, they have created a control of our lives using this tool of time. And I think this is an underestimated tool of corruption. It's one that you don't hear many people talking about because it's abstract. It's, it's largely based in symbolic thinking because ultimately the answer is there is no such thing as time, just like there is no such thing as money. It doesn't exist. It's, it's a construct that only we make up. And it only exists in the human mind and psyche. And we need to break that linear pattern of endlessly repeating cycles that go on and on and on and on and on that we never break free of. We need to break the psychological hold that time has over us. And like you said, how would that make our lives look in the aftermath if we began uh, thinking in nonlinear time-based terms? Non-time-bound awareness means you're always in the present moment. There is only one moment, and it is now. The past is gone. Well, I've experienced that with, with the use of entheogens, is that um, feeling of, of time being completely 100% objective. Yes. In addition to that, I, I'd like to mention that we have some talk in the blog talk chat room uh, for the Intel New, Hub News Network, and they're mentioning a little bit here about Cliff High and his web bot. And supposedly, I don't know if you know about this, Mark, but the yes. web pod is, is taking all these key words and phrases put on the Internet 
Yes, I'm familiar. And it's able to create these predictions. Uh, and in a way, it, it's looking into time. And then I'm, I'm even interested, perhaps, and, and I might be going off the wall, and, and I apologize if I'm digressing from your topic too much, Mark, but I, I'm interested in time travel. Sure. What kind of technology do these elite scumbags have that we don't know about? I have to imagine that the military-industrial elite scumbag complex has technology far beyond Nikola Tesla and some of these things they've suppressed uh, over 100 years ago that were developed uh, today uh, that would only surpass um, our least of imagination. Yeah, I would think that they would certainly be looking into it, if not developing it already, because if anything would, were to occur that would upset their plans, they would want to be able to try to uh, change that timeline. Uh, I would absolutely think it would be in their uh, psychological makeup to certainly look into the possibilities of that. I, I'm not saying that it is developed or not, but uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting topic to explore, and we can speculate about whether uh, they may have some of these things uh, in the black, uh, you know, the black ops projects already under, under uh, development. Absolutely. Well, Bob, I thank you for calling in and raising that point. I'm going to uh, move along and take another a call from what I think may be another Bob on the show here. Uh, caller from Southwest Ohio. Is this Bob from Cincinnati? It, it's like the two Jakes. It's the two Bobs on Mark Passio's show. Mark, thank you for taking my call, firstly, and thank you for all the great work you've done up to this point on vaccines uh, chemtrails and the food. I know that just the, the, the link you placed on your site was so important for me. I stopped by the, there was one Trader Joe's in my 30 mile radius and it was worth the, the stop. And so thank you, Mark. Fantastic. I'm glad you got some use out of that. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on that because, you know, a whole month because it's a whole month I spent on that. Uh, it's really important. I mean, that, that, that is really the thing that if they have you at the physical level of, of the, the damage to the brain and the, and the uh, central nervous system and the physiology, and you're not strong, you don't have a strong constitution to resist that, they're going to get you at the mind level, and ultimately uh, that's going to keep you spiritually down. This is true. And, and just the Ezekiel bread alone, I, I, and I hit up against what I... Oh, it's delicious. That's it's, my favorite. My, my, it, my girlfriend doesn't like it so much. I love the Ezekiel bread. I get it all the time. <laughs> it's, it's very earthy, and like you said, it's, sprout, it's sprouted organic uh, sprouted bread. There's no flour in it, none of that bleached toxic flour. And, Mark, on a positive yes. note, this week, earlier in the week, the American Dental Association itself put out in their newsletter – Fluoride is toxic slash poison for wow. infants or young people. That was a major breakthrough. That that is really big. Hey Mark. Yes. It's Bob again. Bob number. Yeah, no problem. One or number two, however you want to put it. Uh, BobTuskinDaylight.com. I had uh, Paul Connett on last week. I don't know if you recall. And he, yes. He's been um, breaking the news on this fluoride topic for quite some time now. Uh, absolutely amazing story, Bob, that you just referred to. When, when did this happen? Uh, I want to say November 10th or 14th of 2010. Uh, it look look on the the websites ADA 
admits f- fluoride is toxic for infants. A powerful, powerful statement of an industry that has spent the last 70 years poisoning not only our bodies, but our metaphysical beings. Shameful. We must still hold them accountable. They are trying to break their culpability and accountability, but, but it's, it's, it's good news for, for us, but uh, sad news for the reality we're living in. So much uh, scientific literature is coming out on the topic that they cannot uh, suppress it anymore. They cannot keep it back because so many voices are being raised uh, to condemn fluoride as something that does not need to be in our drinking water. Never did. So true. And Mark, I'm going. I'm ashamed to even interrupt this powerful topic of time. I've always felt, just on a personal note, ladies and gentlemen, I've always felt that time, not space. I never argued about space it was a, a construct because you know I don't, you, one could feel that. But time always was inherently or a felt construct. And Mark, thank you for defining. Just even you mentioning it last week was such a powerful validation for my spirit. Thank you. And I'm going to hush and let you continue on time. This is very important for us to know this is powerful or it's not powerful it is classic mind control over us this concept of time it is a prison for our three-dimensional reality because if we can get away from this this ridiculous construct of time and the watch and the oh i've got to hurry i've got to keep moving oh god oh i missed this oh i've lost that it's all mind control thank you mark passio once again you are the greatest good night gentlemen Bob, thank you so much for calling in. Always a pleasure to hear from you. Kevin from Philadelphia, you're on What on Earth is Happening. What do you have for us? Hey, Mark. I was actually going to honor the positive side of time that I I have been offered recently. Um, Sure. In in the many moons that it's been since you started your show, because I first called in uh, with – and my wife once called in like a couple weeks later – Specifically talking about how we were involved in a group that was trying to build the first urban earthship inside of Philadelphia, but there were some issues uh, on board. Uh, Well, they just finally got past one of the first major hurdles, and we now actually have a place to build. And there's one also being built out out in... um, for an out in Bristol for a nature center in uh, the in Silver Lake Park in Bucks out here oh, in Bucks County, news. and great that news. should in theory in theory that one should be starting in the springtime. They'll actually be breaking ground there, and we'll be like packing tires and such then. So it's been nice. a long process and a frustrating process when it comes to time and um, the illusion of time as. Um, Dr. King had mentioned about how, like, when will we have to wait until we're actually free? Right. Well, it was his it was his big question um, at one point during one of his speeches. And uh, at this point, I'm suggesting that although time can be frustrating to have to be patient through, um, that learning of patience comes with its own rewards. Well, it's been said that the only reason for the existence of the perception of linear time is to separate different events so that everything isn't perceived as all happening at once. And that, <laughs> yeah. may, sound like a cliche. that may sound like a cliche, you know, but uh, that, that's, that's part of, uh, I guess, why we perceive time as such. But, uh, you know, there's another cliche that the time is now, and that one is really true. There is no other moment. There's no, nothing. The past is gone. It's over. 
There's nothing you're going to be able to do to change that. The future has not arrived yet. We exist in the now. And if we really bring our uh, focal point of observation, our, our uh, observer uh, qualities, into the present moment, it's a powerful shift in awareness that takes place. Uh, while I think that he doesn't uh, talk about things in a big, wider sense of what's going on in the world, when it comes to the uh, concept of time, I think that Eckhart Tolle has it very correct about his concept of true present moment awareness and uh, how we need to bring ourselves into the now and stay there, understand that time-bound awareness is what sets us up for all other forms of manipulation. Um, the book Be Here Now by Ram Das also discussed this, and uh, I think that's an, another powerful book for uh, people who are explorers in consciousness. And like Bob was talking about earlier, uh, psychedelics, which we talked about uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and last week a little bit, these can really give you the sense of non-time-bound awareness, of complete uh, oneness with the now. And, um, you know, it, it can be a disconcerting thing because it really is a significantly altered state of consciousness. But uh, there are certain psychedelics, entheogens, that will completely obliterate your sense of uh, the, the, the time-bound awareness in the traditional sense that we normally experience it, that we normally perceive it in our normal waking consciousness. And it will help us to expand our consciousness out beyond that, that box of linear time. It's something that we need to work on breaking as a, a species. But that happens you know, by doing it on a one-to-one -one basis. And in that regard, I think some psychedelics can be a powerful tool. Yeah, I can imagine that that being so considering um, that there have been many guys that have spoken about uh, how specifically like uh, uh, most recently it was Joe Rogan. Previous to that, mm -hmm. it was uh, Terrence McKenna, uh, as well as Bill Hicks. Both uh, all three of them have spoken in the past yes. about uh, what they called the stoned ape theory. And it's pretty much right. about how like ancient ancient man uh, or caveman or pre previous, even past Neanderthal was just sticking their nose into the ground and, and bumping into um, various things that would, when they started to eat them in natural foraging and such, they wound up having these experiences and those experiences wound up causing various shifts in, in how the, the brain functioned as well as um, sometimes sexual excitement and, and that then also started to produce more people of that nature. Right. I think a good, a good book on that, and this is a guy who has really explored uh, the nature of time with his uh, time wave zero uh, theory, uh, having to do with uh, habit and novelty, Terrence McKenna, who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago and last week. Uh, he, him and his brother Dennis wrote a book called uh, The Invisible Landscape, which was about their concept of time. I hear the music. We're coming up to another break. I'll get to that right after this break. Kevin, if you want to hold through the Thanks break. Thanks for having me on. I'm good. Have a good one, man. Uh, it. it was good talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. And Mark, continue to talk right now. Uh, they were, they're not going to hear the commercials, so... Did you ever wish that you could have done something while you still had the chance? 
What will you do if your income ends tomorrow? Or if you lose your home? In other news, BP donated $23,000 to a school it taught at. BP's propaganda arm donated $23,000 to Oak Lawn Junior High, the same school that hosted their presentation that claimed the Gulf seafood was safe to eat. The donation came months before the presentation but remains highly suspicious. Multiple residents have shown their displeasure for the presentation. One resident went as far as to claim that BP paid the school in question $50,000 to present their whitewash of the Gulf oil disaster. It also looks as if BP was given a free ride to the media for a $20 billion check. Six months have passed and no one is talking about this disaster. Bob Canvar, author of Disaster of the Horizon, has this to say. You know, it's tragic. The, the U.S. government and BP both wanted this story off the television because it was 24-7 with the, the, the uh, ROV feeds that BP had where you could actually watch the well flow and, and all of the reporting that was going on. The government desperately wanted to get that off, the, off of the, uh, uh, the television. So they actually worked with BP to make that happen, I believe, and that's what, that's what I concluded in my book. Looks as if BP will have some explaining to do. On the technological front, nanogenerator powers up. Last week, the journal NanoLetters published a paper detailing recent achievements with their piezoelectric nanogenerator. The device is about 1.5 to 2 centimeters and is capable of generating around 2 volts. The device works by converting mechanical energy into electrical energy by bending nanofibers within. This has been another IHNN News Update for Tuesday, November 16, 2010, brought to you by TheIntelHub.com. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. I'm Mark Passio. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We had some further te- technical, difficulty, technical difficulties. Our call dropped out there uh, during that break. Uh, we had to reconnect, but we're back up now. So continuing in with the topic, uh, if there's any other callers uh, that want to call in and talk about this topic of time, specifically time as a method of mind control, the call-in number is 724 724- Triple four seven triple four. The call ID number eight three five one five. You could also call in at six four six seven two seven three three eight seven. So it looks like we have a caller on uh, Blog Talk. I'm going to try to take this. Let's see how this goes. Here we go. Caller, you're on. What on earth is happening? What do you have for us? No, it looks like that caller unfortunately called in before our call dropped out on us and was disconnected. If you want to if you want to uh, call in, uh, recall in one of those numbers and I'll be glad to take your call. So Kevin had brought up the point before uh, the break and the disconnect. Uh, he brought up a couple of people's names. We, we briefly talked about psychedelics as uh, a method of breaking down this psychological barrier of time and our perception of it and helping us to live in the now and realize that the now is all that there is. Um, Terrence McKenna was instrumental, one of the first people who was instrumental in helping me to understand that topic. Uh, His books are all phenomenal. He's got a few really great books out. He wrote one, I believe it was his first book. He wrote it with his brother. It was called uh, his brother, Dennis McKenna, who is actually still uh, involved in the 
ethnobotany and psychedelic community today. Um, they wrote a book called The Invisible Landscape in which they break down this theory of a uh, habit, which is, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, uh, often, you know, expecting a different result but getting the same one, of course, and novelty, which is newness, change, etc. Um, basically, e evolving. Uh, that's that's what uh, his theory of novelty is ultimately about. That's what ultimately all theories of um, non-time-bound awareness and non-materialistic uh, time measurement is ultimately about. Uh, Terence McKenna, of course, coming up with this concept called time wave zero, which he equated with the Mayan calendar. Uh, his end date for his time wave zero theory was uh, corresponded with the end date of the uh, Mayan calendar, which is December 21st, 2012, a date we hear a lot about in the um, in the uh, alternative community, the uh, consciousness movement, the New Age movement, etc. I think there is something to the Mayan calendar. I think that uh, the Maya were obsessed over time because they were much more in tune with the, the zero time or the now, the present moment. I think that, um, I think that some of their shamans, some of their teachers were, had a deeper understanding of time than we do today. They understood time as not a perpetual cyclical measurement of physical objects and their motions. They understood it as a progression in consciousness. They understood time as the thing that we move through in consciousness on our journey of evolution in consciousness. They understood that time was moving toward something that was ineffable, intangible, non-physical, and that it represented a paradigm shift, if you will. It represented what some of the other traditions about time refer to as a shift of the ages, a change in the way human beings think and interact, what has been called in the new consciousness movement, the paradigm shift. I heard this referred to for the first time myself back probably in the very early 90s, late 80s or early 90s, the paradigm shift. And I think this is something that we're in the middle of now, and it's still in its transitional phases, and it's all about moving to a higher level of awareness and consciousness when it comes to what is taking place on this planet and when it comes to what is taking place within each one of us. So uh, Terrence McKenna, his other books, um, The Food of the Gods about psychedelics and their role that they played in human history and the expansion of human consciousness. Also, um, his other book called uh, um, 
true hallucinations about his journeys with his brother and friends in the Amazon basin and their use of psychedelics there. He has another one, which is, I think, one of my favorites, called The Archaic Revival. And this is a collection of essays by Terence, and it's just brilliant with what it lays out about consciousness and time. So Terence McKenna, I can't recommend people look into him enough, as I said, a few weeks, uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Um, tons of information from Terence. I'll have to post a couple of things on the uh, website, particularly regarding his theories about time, habit, and novelty. Um, another gentleman that Kevin brought up was Bill Hicks, the comedian. And we talked a little bit about psychedelics. Uh, Bill Hicks was a very conscious individual. He put a lot of this information in very comedic terms for people to understand it and not, you know, be hostile about it. Uh, you know, as the saying goes, uh, if you're going to tell people the truth, interject some comedy or else they'll kill you. So he had a saying about LSD, you know, and again, this is another psychedelic. It's demonized. You know, it can be used in a very negative context, uh, and there's also positive usages for it. Uh, again, it's it's a tool, uh, and it's something that we could explore if we go into it with the right set and setting or the right mindset. And uh, Bill Hicks always had a little line that he uh, did in his comedy routines when he said, um, today a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. And then he would say, and now here's Tom with the weather. You know, he's like, you know, this is a news story it's presented as. He says, you know, wouldn't you like to see a positive LSD story on the news? You know, it's, um, it, it, it helps us to understand what the power of some of these psychedelics uh, what the power that is embedded in these uh, substances, in these forms of consciousness, as I talk about them as. Yet people continue to demonize them because they think that uh, it isn't our birthright to experiment with our own consciousness and that our own consciousness does not belong to us. Uh, my consciousness is mine. It, it is my own. It may be part of a larger ocean of consciousness, but the, the, in this vehicle, I own my body. Uh, I'm the steward of it, at least, until I relinquish it. And I also own my mind. I own my consciousness. And that means that I own my ability to take what I want into my body, whether it be um, extremely good for me, such as uh, healthy organic food, or whether it be extremely negative for, or bad for me, such as uh, any, any sort of compound or drug. Uh, and this requires study and thought and, you know, understanding what we're actually taking upon ourselves when we take in anything. And that could be from something as simple as sugar or flour or, you know, uh, smoking a cigarette to smoking a marijuana joint or smoking uh, DMT or, you know, snorting cocaine or shooting heroin. Uh, it's all, it's up to us. It's up to us to exercise our responsibility for those things. But, um, you know, that's going off on a little bit of a tangent because what, I was really emphasizing is that psychedelics, uh, as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, do have the ability to really change our perception of time, 
for a brief time anyway. And when we come back down to the ground, so to speak, upon using a substance such as LSD or DMT or uh, you know, a psilocybin, it helps us to shift our focus, shift our awareness a little bit about what time is, about our perception of it, and about how we are uh, often, uh, for more of our lives than not, living in time-bound awareness. So I recommend Terence McKenna's books on some topics such as this. I recommend Eckhart Tolle's books. I think that he could go further when it comes to explaining some of the things that are going on in the world. And hey, so could have Terence McKenna. However, the contributions that they do make regarding these topics are uh, invaluable. So please do look into both Terence McKenna and Eckhart Tolle. And Bill Hicks, and his comedy is phenomenal. He's one of the best. So it looks like uh, we have a caller who called back in. Here we go. Caller, you're on What on Earth is Happening. What do you have? Mark? Hey. Mark, it's Chris. Chris, how are you? How are you doing? I'm not having trouble. I'm not having a lot of trouble with this talk show as usual, so I tried to call in a blog talk. Sure. You're coming in loud and clear. Mark, um, okay, I'm glad to hear it. Mark, um, this, this uh, topic of time has always fascinated me. Um, I always viewed time as being um, artificial. I never really um, conformed to the time. I've been, I've been told that I'm oblivious to time. Um, and I think one of the things that's very important that, about time is, like you're saying, it's cyclical. It needs to ritual, repetitive behavior. Yes. And I think it's kind of like um, having humans chase their tails. You could chase your tail all day long, but you're really never going to get anywhere. And this, I'm saying this from a consciousness standpoint. Absolutely. And that's the whole object, to keep us in that rat wheel, that, that hamster wheel in the cage, running and thinking that we're going someplace and we're going nowhere. That's the whole object right, and that's of this. That's part of the veil that's got to come down. I, I remember I, I asked my um, friends and family, because I, I found it interesting, I said, I want you to explain to me what time is, but don't use any units of time in explaining it. And they couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I was able to do it because I pondered the thought for a while. And that is know. how we define time. There we go. I also I'm sorry, Chris. Chris, uh, we lost you there for the last five or ten seconds. It looks like uh, we were accidentally muted. If you could uh, just repeat what you said. You said yeah. the last thing I think I heard was uh, you were trying to explain time without using any units of time. Yeah, I, I ask people that because I like to, you know, bend their minds and bend my own at the same time, and um, they weren't able to do it. Now I was able to do it because I had been thinking about it, and what I had come up with in my own mind was that the only difference between now and at one moment and another moment is the relative positions of the planets, the you know, heavenly bodies. And that's what we call time. Now, I didn't understand, I guess, everything you're going through, but I think it's the same thing, and we're relating time to the movement of, of the planets and, and, and you know, um, just things in motion. The other thing I found fascinating with time is, I don't, have you seen the movie Inception? I have. I thought it was great. And one thing I, I found noteworthy, and I don't want to hog the area, but what, one thing I found noteworthy was, Time was relative within the level of consciousness in which you were at. 
Yes. In other words, when the when the when something was happening in one level of the dream, in another level of the dream, where, where you'd have maybe I don't know ten seconds at one level, it would give you you know an hour to four hours at the other level, which told me the message there was that time is well, it, it's a perception. It, it's just like the, most of other, all the other parts of reality is a, it's just an illusion or a perception. Yes, and it, it's a very it's a very heady. Uh, concept of time that is put forward in that movie. Um, Chris, I want to thank you for calling. Unfortunately, we're going to have to end the show a little bit early tonight. There's been some technical problems and and some other things are are, are going on, and Bob has asked me to uh, cut the show short for now. Uh, We're going to pick up on this topic next week and continue to talk about this a little bit because I know some other people... Uh, Kevin wanted to chime in with some other things. I have a few other things to say. I wanted to talk about the great year and the procession of the equinoxes as a, a grand cycle of time, get into the yugas a little bit. So we'll extend this topic over into next week, and we'll also uh, talk about the 11th me- method of manipulation next week, which is uh, the what I call the DHR factor, which is uh, us basically police-dogging ourselves. Uh, the the denial, hassle, and ridicule factor that is so prevalent among, uh, uh, you know, the people of our society that don't want to look at the truth about what's going on in our world. So we'll transition into that topic, but we'll continue to talk on this topic for a little bit next week. Chris, I want to thank you for calling in. I'm Mark Passio. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. Sorry to cut the show short this week, but we'll be back here next week at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks for listening. Good night, everyone.